You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm just so glad that you could join me for this conversation today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. In today's episode, we are talking about boundaries with Dr. Allison Cook, and I just love talking about boundaries. In the past, I was a person who did not have very solid boundaries, did not keep the boundaries that I had, and it resulted in me being in a lot of dysfunctional relationships. But as I grew to discover what it was to have good boundaries, all of my relationships, whether that's with friends or family or people that I've dated, have improved. So here with Dr. Cook today, we're going to be talking about what boundaries really are, how to keep them, how to let others know and communicate when we have a boundary or when a boundary has been crossed, and how to get more comfortable with that process. Now, as I just shared Some of you will relate to my experience with having too loose of boundaries. Others of you may be on the opposite side of the spectrum where you have had really rigid boundaries to keep people out. And either way, Allison is going to give some great advice to help with finding balance. Whether you're a person who has been somewhat lax when it comes to boundaries, or if you're a person who has held really tightly to boundaries, Both can actually contribute to long-term experiences with chronic loneliness. With that in mind, I've developed a quiz over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And if you take that quiz, and it will only take you a couple of minutes, it will help you to understand some of your tendencies when it comes to the things that are contributing to your experience with loneliness and what you can do about them. Again, that quiz is over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. As we head into this conversation today, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Allison Cook. Allison is a counselor, speaker, and the co-author of Boundaries for Your Soul. For over 15 years, Allison has helped women, ministry leaders, and families learn how to heal painful emotions, develop confidence from the inside out, forge healthy relationships, and fully live out of their God-given potential. As you listen to this conversation, I hope that you'll hear something that will inspire you and that you'll have some direction about where you might want to go when it comes to having healthy boundaries and that that direction would catapult your healing and improve your relationships. Here is my conversation with Dr. Allison Cook. Allison, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you on with me today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And this topic is something I'm super excited for us to address because many of the listeners and myself included have a history of some unhealthy relationship patterns and boundaries factors pretty heavily into the way that we're able to relate with people. So I'd like to know if you would start us off by giving us an understanding of how we can define boundaries and why they are so essential to our relationships. Yeah, so boundaries are really just any 
you know, I think um, Henry Cloud and John Townsend in their book Boundaries, if you haven't read it, it's, an, it's a fantastic book. And they really just brought this whole concept, especially into the Christian church, of this idea that we have these emotional, physical, spiritual, mental boundary lines. They're invisible. We can't see them. It's not like a fence around your property. But if you think about a fence around your property, it really protects that precious home that you have, right? It's It can be a friendly fence, but it's still saying, hey, mm-hmm. this is what's on this side of this is mine. Mm-hmm. It belongs to me. And they do such a great job in that book of explaining that. And, it, and it's exactly what I try to teach women, that the boundaries are what this, these invisible lines that really protect something precious. And what's precious in this case is you. It's your heart, it's your spirit, it's your mind, and it's your body. And boundaries are not weapons. Boundaries are not, you know, brick walls. All it is is just, oh, someone has crossed over something that is precious. And this precious thing in this case is is us. Now, you mentioned there that boundaries are not weapons. And sometimes we struggle with this topic because we kind of may see boundaries as an ultimatum. So how can we restructure our understanding so that we can view this in a healthy way? Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of times, especially when women are first getting started with boundaries, they get really excited and they're like, oh, this means I get to go tell somebody, if you do this, I'm going to do this to you, right? And it's like, well, slow down. That's actually not, if you think again of that image of the fence surrounding the property, mm-hmm. it's it's not um, it's not a weapon that you pick up and take to beat somebody, even if they kind of deserve you mm-hmm. to be getting them off mm-hmm. of your property. It's just a cue. A boundary line is, and, and, and the, the work that I do is really about understanding internally, getting really clear about our boundary detector, which tells us, oh, someone is Something's happening that I don't like. Hmm. Something's happening that makes me feel uncomfortable. So really all the boundary is, is that cue of, oh, some, some, something's coming in here that doesn't feel good. And most women, that boundary detector has been, it's been tampered with. Mm. Usually we have childhood wounds. There's a million reasons. And so either we've been taught not to trust it, or we've been taught to deny it. And so uh, the beginning work is just First, first of all, to notice, oh, wait a minute, something doesn't feel right. I'm going to pay attention to that. Now, we'll get to where how you actually then communicate that, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. initially, it's just about awareness. So it's the difference then between, for example, it's not something that we're taking on the offense. This is something that is more of a protective, as you said, kind of defense mechanism that is naturally there in place that's supposed to be there that we're supposed to have that separates us emotionally and spiritually, physically from other people, and that we just have to be attuned to that natural God-given sensitivity to those things to then go about enforcing them in a way that creates distinction in our relationships. Why is that distinction so important? That's right. yeah, that's a good question. It's um, so I always think about back to Genesis. One of the first things, if you think about that, God did was establish boundary lines. He separated things. He said, "Let the sky be separate from the land. Let the waters be separate from the dry ground. And then let there be different animals." And then let there be humans. There's all these boundary lines that are beautiful and good. So I want to be really clear. Boundary lines are part of original design. This is Mm -hmm. before the fall. They're part of original design. There's order 
mm-hmm. out of chaos. This is the role of boundaries. Again, we're, we're really, we'll get to, I love all the, you know, w- w- right now I know it's a little theoretical for listeners, but it's really yeah. important to realize this is part of the original design. Mm-hmm. And so we have it within us, this sense of or of order. But again, for so many, it's been covered over with so much chaos in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so really, it's not even defensive or offensive. It just is, right? Oh. We have these parts of us that, you know, whether you want to call it your intuition, I like to call it wisdom, discernment, that as we become more in tune with the Holy Spirit, start to, you know, sometimes I say if something doesn't smell right, it usually isn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, we start to go, that doesn't feel right. And it is part of that God-given DNA. But again, that was before the fall, before everything mm-hmm. got really broken, before things, chaos entered in. Mm-hmm. And so our job is to uncover that radar within that Holy Spirit led radar that tells us something. And again, we're, we're really, especially as women, we're better at that having that detector when it comes to other people, mm-hmm. like our children or our friends. We would never let anybody, but when it comes to ourselves, we, we are so willing to kind of shove that voice aside, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's really learning. I find with women, it's really, but, but what about you? It's also not right for you when you, you know, to, to let someone do that. And so it's kind of uncovering that inner boundary detector that is part of your God-given design. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm hearing you say in that design is that you said it's not necessarily offensive or defensive, but perhaps it's just something that is differentiating. It's that there is a separateness that yeah. we should be honoring in the process of understanding what our boundaries are. But as you've said, sometimes that system has been tampered with and we are not paying attention to some of those alerts. What are those alerts? What are the consequences of us not listening to what those God-given boundaries are as the Holy Spirit's trying to connect with us to let us know where he wants us to be that maybe we yeah. should start to shut off? Yeah, well, so get, so now I'll go back to the metaphor. Uh, it's not even a metaphor, the, the, psycholo- the psychology of, if you think about a little baby, right? When you're born, you think again about this, uh, this way in which God put boundaries into the fabric where you literally, what's the first thing that happens is the doctor cuts the umbilical cord mm. and the baby becomes separate from the mom, right? They start off together and they become separate. That's the first act of all of us. We, we became separate and all of a sudden, but then we're dependent on that caregiver. So this is where things start to get go haywire, depending on how your initial caregivers mm-hmm. helped you understand what it means both to be separate and to be in a trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those first five years that we typically don't even remember is where we're being taught that. Again, these are the boundary lines. That's where we're actually being taught this reality of we're both separate and together. And oftentimes I use this sort of, a you know, you'll, you'll see with my hands, we're not like this. We're not merged anymore with our mom, mm-hmm. but we're also not over here by ourselves. We live separate, but together. And in those early years, if we're not taught well, what it means to be connected to someone, to even be dependent on someone as a young child, and also to be establishing our own separateness, we walk into all sorts of strange relationships as yeah. we go about our lives, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, those those early years really do impact our ability to understand those natural boundary lines that God designed. So as we look at the fact that many of us 
do have unhealthy relationships, whether they started at childhood, whether they continued into adulthood. When we consider the fact that boundaries not being properly modeled at such an early age can then cause us difficulty down the road. How then does this help us to understand also our relationship to ourselves and where there may be some trouble in the way that we have developed in our own emotional and spiritual sense? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of the things I find is, first of all, ruptures in that th- those boundary lines can, can occur. You can have the best parents in the world and then go through really painful childhood experiences of bullying or a toxic relationship. I always hesitate to kind of, but, but I will say, and, and with that being said, a lot does go back to those early years where, and how we're taught to see ourselves. So to your question, I like to use the analogy of a mirror. When you're born, those early years, the parent's job, your caregiver's job is to kind of hold a mirror up to you. Those early years, you are self-oriented. You don't know yourself. And so it is It is actually, that's when you're supposed to be selfish, right? That's when you're supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of all, the world does revolve around you psychologically because you don't know better. Mm-hmm. And when your parents hold up a mirror to you and help you see yourself, both good and bad, both, wow, this is, it's just more like, this is what I'm like. This is what I'm great at. This is what I like. This is where sometimes I'm, I like to get into trouble. This is where I sometimes act out, you know, right? Well, your parents in a really healthy way, and God does this perfectly. God holds the mirror up to us perfectly with both love and truth. It's both, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know it, right? You know, you, you feel it. You're like, okay, God, you're seeing me right now and it hurts a little bit. And I know you love me, right? Mm-hmm. So our parents don't do it that perfectly. Even the best of parents don't do it that perfectly, but it is their job. They're our first glimpse really of what God's love is like to show us who we are and help us understand what's my body like? What do I look like? What um, kinds of foods do I like? What kind of people do I like? What scares me? Those, all those things our parents are helping us learn about this precious human life that each of us is. And we also learn healthy boundary lines. We learn, oh my gosh, someone else doesn't like it when I hit them. You know, there's a consequence for that. So we mm-hmm. also learn what, you know, how we have to rein in some of our impulses. But when there's so many different ways that gets disrupted, Right, where sometimes when we have parents, we use this word a lot in psychology and it's thrown around a lot, but who are narcissistic. And what that means is the parents maybe weren't parented well themselves. So they only know how to see themselves. They're only holding that mirror up toward themselves. And so as a child, no one ever really came alongside you and showed you who you were and showed you how precious you were and showed you where you need to be careful because maybe you're. You know, so many women I know are like super pleasers or super responsible, or they have these, they're good qualities, but nobody ever reined them in and said, Hey, you know what? You don't have to please everybody, right? You didn't get that. You just kind of, a lot of, if you were, if there was any sort of absence of that parenting, you just, you're, think about, you, you know, you think about with your own children that you're just kind of left to sort it all out. And it's very mm-hmm. complicated without that guidance. So then we just are at the whim of how the people around us start to treat us. And we can get into these relationships that are really messy. On your blog, you also describe the concept of selfhood. And as you're yeah. speaking right now and you're talking about not being taught who you are and you have a tendency to maybe run in and help other people and do all the work. And we're, we're afraid of boundaries sometimes as being selfish. And maybe because underneath there, we're afraid of disconnecting from people. So describe how boundaries and this concept of selfhood really come together. 
You just said that so well. A healthy sense of self. So right as Christians, we always think self is bad. Selfish is bad. Now we say, no, 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 no. Selfish. We don't want to be selfish. <laughs> mm-hmm. But self is really that, that image of God in you. It's who you, the person God made, right? And we do want to understand and live more fully into the fullness of the selfhood of who we are. Jesus was the perfect model of someone who lived out his full humanity. He had all the emotions. He was a real human. He worked, he did things, he had friends. So we know that there's a way in which we're supposed to live into our full selfhood. So selfish is sort of like, everything's about me. Now that's fine when you're three. Mm -hmm. That is not so fine (laughs) when you're 22, right? Right. (laughs) We need to develop past that. Mm -hmm. So um, that selfish is, you know, it always has to be my way. I I like to, so, so then the other extreme is selfless. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're taught to be that as Christian women, but selfless right. is, it's never about me. I should never have a voice. And that is not healthy either. Mm-hmm. That is not healthy either. Selfless is not healthy and selfish is not healthy. What we want to strive for is this healthy sense of ourself, which is my voice matters and your voice matters. Mm-hmm. What I want matters. And also what you want matters. And that's where we get into this. You know, we negotiate healthy boundary lines. Yeah. It's it's such a key, key, key component that most women aren't taught. We don't really hear it from church, right? We don't hear, actually, you do need to become yourself. You do need to understand what you need, what you want, what you feel, not so that you can become the center of the universe, but so that you can take that full person into your relationship. And then hopefully you have someone else who's working on becoming a healthy person and together you get into the fun stuff of, wait, I want it this way. Wait, I want it this way. Okay, let's get creative and negotiate, which is the basis of healthy relationships. It's you and me. Yeah. I love that you pointed out though, that so many of us as Christians do grow up thinking that selflessness is okay, that that's actually the way that we're supposed to do it. And I think what happens is verses are taken out of context, that things like deny yourself, that has an important message attached to it, but it does not mean that you don't have a very separate, distinct specialness to God and that he wants you to learn about it. He wants you to embrace it. He wants you to grow in it. And then he wants you to turn around and use that for blessing other people and for relationship and for relationship with him. But I kind of term it this Christian codependency where we're just taught like, no, 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 no. Like it's always everybody else all the time. And then it makes us really irritable. (laughs) It makes us really resentful sometimes. It just carries this whole heap of dysfunction with it because we have lost the separateness and distinctness of who we are to God first. And then understanding how his love in us then pours out onto other people. That's exactly right. Yes, it is. It is a Christian. It is a sometimes I, I hate to say it, but it's true. It is sometimes church sanctioned codependency. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's especially harmful to women. It's yeah. especially harmful to women, women. and it's not and it, what Jesus taught. <laughs> right. And it's not to say, though, and I think where it comes from is a well-meaning place because yes. there are, on the other side of it, people who do tend more towards selfishness. And so it is that to is say, right. hey, 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 it is not all about you, right? And so the messaging is valid, but it's not complete in the sense of we don't look at the two ends of the spectrum. And I just love this concept of selfhood being that you have a relationship to yourself as a distinct person that God has beautifully created and gifted and that there's so much 
goodness that comes in relationship in knowing that part first, because it is how you align in your relationship with God first. One of the uh, other tools I like to teach women from psychology, because I I do believe psychology and our faith need to, psychology can really inform and come alongside our Mm -hmm. faith. And I always, I always measure what I'm teaching from psychology against scripture mm-hmm. and good psychology is good theology is what I say. So anyway, mm-hmm. the, there's these stages of development. Um, Eric Erickson, if you, if, if you remember from, if you took a psychology yep. class, you'll remember <laughs> that he talks about this idea of selfhood. And if you think about the stages of development, it precedes intimacy. Mm. And so it's really hard to come into a relationship. Many of us jumped into relationships, you put it so well, to try Mm. to find ourselves. Mm. And we bypassed that step of actually first getting really grounded in our own selfhood. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's really hard. And so I will say to women, when you find yourself in a really unhealthy relationship or a really codependent relationship or a really toxic, you do sometimes have to separate out, go back, get, get, it feels selfish yes, at first. It does. <laughs> you have to get really, really clear about yes. who you are before you can enter back into relationships mm-hmm. because you don't want to do it the same way. And it's okay. And just tell yourself, I just got to go back a little bit get this piece in place. So of course you're going to go back in to relationships and you're going to go back to helping others, but it's okay to take a time out mm-hmm. to first get yourself on solid ground. You're no good to our best gift. I say it all the time to other people is our own health, our own healing, our mm-hmm. own wholeness. Mm-hmm. That's the best gift we have to take into our relationships. And it takes a little work. We got to work on it. Yes. And I think, as you said, it's not only okay to spend that time on yourself. I think it's essential. I think you have to. we cannot pour out what God wants us to pour out if we haven't received it first. And it's a foreign experience sometimes if we haven't walked yes. that out before, but there's so much healing and so much blessing in taking that time because it affects every relationship. This is not just dating. This is relationship with your kids, relationship with family members, friends, all those kinds of things that learning how to establish healthy boundaries comes from first knowing what is inside that fence. So as far as understanding though, now if I want to do this and I'm not sure how do I go about figuring out where I need to assert my boundaries or what they are, what's a process perhaps that we might embark on to start to figure those things out. Yeah. So I, I tell women the first, so my, my book boundaries for your soul, if you read the Clinton and boundaries book, they have one chapter where they talk about internal resistances to boundary boundaries, which is um, guilt, mm. shame, fear, all these internal messages that keep us from establishing the healthy boundaries that we need in our relationship. So the book that I wrote with Kim, Kimberly Miller boundaries for your soul zooms in on that. So I, I, I talk about this preceding work and I often say before women will come to me and say, how do I get my husband to do this? I'm like, let's, we got to turn the mirror back on you. Mm. What is it that you want? Because it's really hard. We can't, we can't change anybody around us (laughs) and we can get out of, we can sometimes get people out of our lives, but we still have to do that internal work of starting to get to know our emotions, starting to get to know our physical body, starting to get to know our thought patterns, 
starting to get to know the the beliefs that we tell ourselves. So it's really the internal work that I think is the most important. Mm -hmm. And so the first step I will tell people, and it's not the one that is the most, I mean, I'll give you tips all day long on how to talk to other people about your boundaries for sure. And we'll get there. But the first step I always want to say is, You first have to start these practice, simple practice every day of figuring out, learning how to connect to yourself, learning how to do that reparenting in a way, Mm. journaling. Um, I sometimes tell people to do a MEPS check-in, which is mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So every morning, just what am I thinking about? What am I feeling today? How's my body today? How's my spirit today? Just to get in the habit of reconnecting to those parts of yourself, right? And that is your best tool, trust me on this, (laughs) to really establishing that healthy foundation to where you you reconnect to that internal boundaries detector. And you start to, and I want to give you an example here, instead of going first to the weapon weapon of boundaries, you, you start to hear yourself say things like, uh, no, thank you. I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> and, 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 and then you deal with all these toxic things where pe- you know, people have toxic reactions to that. Mm-hmm. But what's more important is that you have heard something from inside yourself going, no, no. And I, I'm using it. Oftentimes it comes from a quieter. It's so interesting. Sometimes that anger is there, but sometimes it's this still quiet voice of the Holy Spirit just being like, nope. And there's a lot of strength in that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. You pointed to something I think that's really important and that's needs. And I think what causes us to very often either break boundaries for ourselves or cross over other people's boundaries is this sense that we have something that we need to acquire, but we're not really sure how to express it. And so we can sort of find these, I don't know, I don't, it's not always manipulation, but find these ways, indirect ways of getting what we want. That's a very good way to put it. Yes. (laughs) And for me, such of the tuning into myself was about what do I really need right now? How can I go about communicating it? And sometimes it was communicating it to God. Sometimes it was communicating it to another person. And sometimes it was, that person can't meet it. So I'm going to go communicate it to somebody else. But that in me learning to use my voice and to tune into that need that I had such a better sense then of the give and receive in relationships. And I think sometimes what we miss out on is we end up in situations where we give, 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 give because we're hoping to desperately receive somewhere, but then it never really ever seems to work out. Oh yeah. I love, I love that you brought it back to voice because we all know the voices. We we hear all the voices around us and what everybody around us wants. 
But learning to listen to that voice within. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say it starts with learning how to get quiet, learning how to journal, learning how to take walks without, without the, the ear earbuds, pot, uh-huh, earbuds yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Learning how, because it's scary at first. Mm-hmm. That voice can be scary. It can come out with an avalanche of emotion because maybe nobody's ever really listened to us. And so all of a sudden that part of us that's been really buried is like going to come out with a big rush, right? And so I want to tell yeah. women that if this is new to you, if you notice that I'm a, women will say, I'm, uh, that feels, I, I get a lot of anxiety hmm. about journaling or about really trying to listen to myself. I'm like, okay, that that's, that's a protective mechanism. That anxiety is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's probably cueing you that there's some real emotion there. So that's a good time to reach out for help, get some help to walk you through the journey, right? That's really, really valid. But, but that practice, once you start it, once you peel it and just start to you know, I remember when I first had to start practicing listening and it was just bizarre. Sometimes I'm like, that's what I want. Mm. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You meet yourself. You start to go, yeah. oh my gosh, that's what I want. And often it's very different. We have these sort of survival skill parts of us that tell us what they think. Well, we, what I need is for that person. And it's like, really what I need is I don't really care about that person. What I really am craving is just this thing, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's, that's where we need to be guided by. Um, yeah. that's and I still false voice within with that, where that place where that Holy spirit connects mm-hmm. within us. And I think being alone, as you said, that anxiety that comes sometimes that also heightens this sense of loneliness. And so often we want to go to what we think is the most direct way to solve it. So as you said, it's like, I want that. So and it's not always going to be solved by what seems to be the most direct answer. And then if yeah. we can identify it as an anxiety about being alone and a discomfort yeah. about being alone, then it actually can cause us to have to realize that there's some work to do there. Yeah. That in the more that we spend constructive time alone, rather than distracted time alone. And that when we do connect, we're connecting to people who are seeking to bring us to higher levels of health, that loneliness actually can be that thing that can be a catapult to you knowing yourself better, but it's removing the immediate distraction, which is let me find a relationship and then all of this will go away. (laughs) Oh, you just said that so well. And when you notice, when you do start, maybe you make a promise to yourself and you just say, I'm going to start journaling. Um, Sometimes, you you know, I always say put a limit on it to people because we're we're learning down. We're starting to go, I'm going to journal for 10 minutes or I'm going to fill three pages of my notebook, of a small notebook. And then I'm just going to stop and I'm going to let myself say whatever I'm going to say. So you can teach Mm -hmm. yourself, you know, because we're afraid of our emotions, right? And then go do the thing, right? This is baby yes. steps. Mm-hmm. But if you can pause it for just that long in the morning to prayerfully really connect to yourself, you might make a different choice. And mm-hmm. I love what you said, because so often we have these, what I call shoulds in our mind. I should do this. I should do that. Underneath the should is usually something really different. I know for me, again, when I started this process, I would have shoulds around the type of people I should be with. Mm. usually there were people who needed me because that felt safe. I Mm -hmm. knew how to do that. I knew how to be with people who needed me. 
So a part of me, a very religious kind of good Christian part of me was like, you should be there. And it it feels very real. Mm -hmm. And I just started to notice, but I want to be with this person over here. And and this is what I mean by surprising. I was like, this person over here, just, I just have fun. This person just makes me feel alive. This person is just fun. Mm -hmm. And I started to, I was like, could that be okay? Could I just hang out this afternoon with the person that doesn't need me? Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, right? Yes. And you just start to, <laughs> and then, and then you just start to follow that a little bit. And all of a sudden you're in a, a friendship that you really enjoy. Yes. And you're like, this feels so weird, but I feel so guilty because that should. And so it's a lot of this constant learning. I always say, watch the shoulds, watch the guilt. Those are parts of you that have learned a way of being that feels comfortable but that is not necessarily the way of this true self mm-hmm. where you're going to find life. Yes. And I think what you're pointing to here also is our discomfort with receiving. And so often yeah. we've learned to cope by just giving, yeah. just having someone need yeah. us. And then I can fulfill someone's need and it makes me feel good because I'm serving a purpose. But that's not... Yes always connected to our God-given purpose. And and many times it can take us away from our God-given purpose because in a sense, we end up seeking the validation that we need out of performing for this other person, which ultimately then we can feel like, well, God, I'm performing for you rather than authentically being seen as we are without having to perform and to receive what it is that relationship can bring. I just yes. love it. <laughs> Preach it. No, like, Amen. So true. And we feel to, I really want people to hear this, this sort of codependent, this, this way of only relating to people who need us feels like intimacy mm-hmm. because that, that goes back to those childhood wounds. That's the only way we knew how to be close to people. And it's really valid. I want to say that feeling, but you have to retrain yourself to go, but that it's not real two-way mm-hmm. intimacy. And when you're healing those relationships that are um, actually healthy, sometimes it takes a while to recognize them. Yes. Because they're foreign. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes. this doesn't feel like closeness. So for me, even with dating, when I, my now husband, at first I was like, I don't, this is an unusual foreign feeling to me because I was so used to, to being with people. I know what it feels like mm-hmm. to be the, the giver. Yes. But I was like, this is just odd. Mm-hmm. So it can take a little while. So I just want, want to put that out there. This is a process of kind of cueing yourself. I, I'm retraining a muscle inside of me. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the other side of it, where someone may be Good. really highly boundaried. Perhaps they okay. put walls up and keep people away and that sort of thing. How can a woman who's in that situation reconceptualize the way that she looks at boundaries? Yeah. So, so that's a really good image of, so there's two ways that boundaries go awry. One is the one we've been talking about, which is more the codependent. So I use the Venn diagram with the circles. And if you can't see me, so when, when you merge with someone, right, where you, you sort of, you deny yourself and take on someone else's needs. Right. But the other way is to wall yourself off and avoid relationships and just kind of live in a silo. And I see that's very, we, we do that as well. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you see people kind of bounce between the two extremes because that, that, that healthy space of intimacy is just so foreign. It's either I'll live for you or I'll just live all by myself. Mm-hmm. 
Those are the two options that feel safe, right? And so just again, to notice that those patterns, and sometimes you do need to separate out and, and work on you, but separating out for the purpose of um, really getting into the, the deeper work of learning yourself, of growing, of healing is very different from, I don't need anybody. I'm just mm-hmm. over here. I don't really have relationships, a whole mm-hmm. different thing. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And there's work needing to be done in either case. It's just whether exactly. or not you're relying too much on other people to have your needs met exactly. or you're not engaging enough in terms exactly. of relationship. Exactly. We do need to be in relationship with other people. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of our design. It's just it when is. we're in this fallen world and it goes awry, we have these gut reactions yep. and they're intended to keep us safe, but we have the ability to recognize that God keeps us safe. He gives us discernment to know where yeah. we're supposed to be, where we're not supposed to be. And if we understand our separateness, then we have the ability to say, this is where I want to be, or this is not where I want to be and enforce that. Now, when it comes to enforcing boundaries, though, in the moment, that can be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that can Mm -hmm. be strange. So is there a way that we can build up to this or kind of gain some confidence that when that moment comes, we know what we want to do? Yes. So practicing setting healthy boundaries. So a couple of things to, to the two extremes. If you're in a relationship that you need to get more distance from, you're going to have to use your voice and speak up. Um, and there's a couple of things I, I tell people is get support ahead of time, especially depending on the level of toxicity, get a couple of people to, to support you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was first learning myself, I literally, I like, I remember I had to, um, leave a toxic boss and I was so terrified and I literally had my friend sat in the room with me and she's, I had a script and I just called her and like read the script. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was mm-hmm. so hard. And so I just want to say to people, it can be really hard. So get support. Um, Write it out and it, it, your delivery doesn't have to be perfect, right? But just know your script and you, all, you know, it's just, you're, you're not trying to convince somebody of anything. They don't have to like it. They don't have to agree. They might get angry. They might mm-hmm. shame you. All of that, expect it, expect mm-hmm. it. You don't care. So you go into a conversation saying, you know, I'm, I'm not okay with this. I have a course on my um, website. I'll give you a 50% off uh, discount for your audience, but it goes through, I give a lot of scripts like this. It's called Boundaries oh, for Women. Great. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so it goes through all of this. I'll, I, I'll give you a, a special discount code, but great. You, 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 know, you go in and you say, you know, this isn't, I can't, this isn't working for me. You're not trying to convince them. That's, you're not going in to explain. You're going in to say, this isn't working for me. Here's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to now remove myself. I just wanted to let you know. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not, it's depending on the level of toxicity. This is not a conversation. This is not an explanation. This is not getting them to agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is your informing them of what you need to do to take care of yourself. And it's not pleasant and it's not fun Mm -hmm. and they're not going to like it. So that's why I'm saying you, 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 you just have to know that going in the goal here. Most people come to me and say, how do I get someone to understand my boundaries? You don't, Mm. You, 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 you don't, that's not the goal. The goal is now, if you're in a healthy relationship where, you know, you know, you're with your spouse, where you need to talk through things, 
but then it's not an issue. This In these unhealthy situations, the goal isn't to get them to understand it. The goal is to communicate very clearly what you need. This is why you have to know what you need. Mm-hmm. So I can give you tons of examples of that, but those are sort of the principles. Yeah. So how do we let go of that need though to explain ourselves? Because I think that comes with this is this sense that, well, I don't really want to make up my mind ahead of time. I kind of want to have a conversation about it. And it's, some of it is because we want to be liked <laughs> as we're going through this process of asserting our boundaries. And that's not always possible. It's really hard. A lot of us have these permission-seeking parts. And so we're kind of going in going, this is what I think I want to do. Are you going to be okay with it? Mm-hmm. It's not all bad. I talk a lot about empathy. We don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want somebody to feel bad. Ideally, we'd love for them to say, hey, I get it. I get it. You need more space or um, you need, um, you know, and they go, great. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Those are good friends. Yes. If if someone if you go to someone and say, "Man, I'm really struggling. I need a little bit more space. I I care about you, but I'm feeling overwhelmed by all your needs." Right? Let's say we have a needy friend. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, I I'm, I totally get it. How can I help you?" That's a good friend. Keep mm-hmm. that friend. <laughs> but the problem is when we go in, again, this is kind of learning to listen to yourself. You go in if they start to say, "Well, that's you're mean. You're selfish." How could you do this to me? You just have to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody does that, that's not a good friend. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, again, have that bound yourself really clear on if they do that. I would say going into to reestablish new boundary lines requires a lot of prep work. So because you're going to meet with different reactions. If you get that reaction, you've got to be prepared to say, Hey, I get that you don't like it. I still need to do it. Mm-hmm. And maybe you give them two, you know, depending on the level of the relation, maybe you give them a couple of chances to back off. But at the end of the day, you do what you need to do. Maybe over time, they'll learn to figure it out. Maybe they won't. It is very hard. This is why these internal muscles of dealing with guilt, dealing with shame, because you're going to leave and it's not going to feel good if that person didn't like it. That doesn't mean you did something wrong. That's so important what you just said. And I think we also have a tendency to view someone rejecting our boundaries as rejection towards us. And so we desperately want to avoid that. And sometimes that's what keeps us quiet and small. But that if we are committed to healthy relationships with God, ourselves, and others, that our boundaries are the way that we figure that out. And sometimes that means in asserting a boundary, as long as you're being respectful in the way that you do it, you are honoring yourself and the other person in what both of you are called to do in your lives. And sometimes those things don't go together. And the people who can't respect that are not probably meant to be (laughs) part of your team. (laughs) Yeah. And what you're doing a great job is is exactly, and this is what I talk about a lot in my course, if you know your bigger yes, Mm. It'll help ground you in that no that you have to say. Your bigger yes is, I need to get healthier. I'm going crazy over here with this relationship. This stinks in the moment, but I know why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And that helps keep you centered. And finding a couple of, if you have, can get a, even a counselor or someone to help you, because you're going to have that backlash of guilt. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hardwired in us. Yeah. But we can unlearn it. And I think that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. That's so powerful to know that these things may be uncomfortable, but they don't stay that way. We can develop new habits and 
patterns. Oh, of it's thinking. amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And then you actually, st- then you, and then you get to actually bring in, I always say boundaries. We talk so much about what we're put, keeping out with the fence, but I always want to say, what, think about all now what you get to bring in. Mm-hmm. Now, once you kind of clear out, okay, what do I want to bring in that's good, that feeds my soul? That's really what it's about. And I think it chips away at that fear we have of receiving then when we know we're with healthy people, we can count on receiving lots of great things, lots of blessings. And it is that process though, if we've never done it before of starting to assert our boundaries and realizing there's a little bit of fallout that can happen with that, but it's not always bad. Oh my goodness. It's actually probably a good sign. Mm -hmm. It's a sign you're moving in the right direction. And it's a sign that you're making the right boundary. If someone can't respect it, yeah. it doesn't feel good, but it means, oh, I did the right. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I've had that happen. I'm like, oh, wow, I really needed to set that down. Yes. And it gets easier. <laughs> it's like, I always say it's like going to the gym, the muscles, it hurts at first. And then you develop the muscle and you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not like I still ever love it, but you, you, you're you much more quickly like, oh, that was really wise that I did that because look at that response I got, you know, mm-hmm. and you just find out what people are like. When it comes to communicating those boundaries you mentioned some scripts and I'm so excited to check those out. Yeah. As far as creating our own language, what are some tips that we can use to organize our thoughts when it comes to communicating boundaries? Yeah, tips to organize your thoughts. That's a really good question. So kind of in that journaling time, you could say, I love what you you really honed in on. What do I need? What do I want? So, so we typically start with, I don't want that. Okay, get that down. So you start on a piece of paper, you know, what's your initial, I, I'm tired of that, whatever mm-hmm. that is, what is it? But then flip it and go, what do I want instead? So if someone is being abusive towards you and berating you, I don't want that anymore. Great. What do I want instead? I want someone who speaks to me with kindness. Valid. Valid want. Okay. So then the next step is, so you figured out, this is what I want. I don't want this. I do want this. Then the next step is, okay, I got to communicate this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, And so this is actually begins to be your template for communicating because now you're, you're kind of organizing your, here's the list of things I don't want. And then you're saying in, instead, what I do want is, or I don't want to be controlled anymore. Well, that's okay. You can go to someone and say, I don't want you to control me anymore. They're going to be like, what, you know, what do I want? Well, what I do want, and then this is where we have to do that prep work. What I do want is the freedom to do a couple things that I want to do without being asked why I'm doing them. Mm-hmm. That's a really valid want. So do that work yourself. You can split your piece of paper into, you know, the, here's what I'm sick of. Here's what I want. And talk that through with the friend. And then that becomes sort of the template for your communication. You know, where you start to do the when, you know, you might, you might not even label their behavior, but you might say, I need more of this good thing in my life, right? Which is instead of going to someone and saying, stop doing this. So it's just a way to anchor yourself. It's a little exercise to kind of anchor yourself and organize as you say, this is valid. This thing on this right side of the page. How can I get to here? You got to start with where we are. Now, how do I get to here? And then what's the next step? Okay, is the next step a conversation? So, so, so the third thing would be, so here's what I don't want. Here's what I do want. And then what's the next step? 
And I liked in your example, is the next step going to the person? Is the next step talking to God? Is the next step something I do for myself? I just start doing the thing, right? What Mm -hmm. is my next step? I think that's fantastic too, in understanding that next step, because so often we think we can just go to the other person and tell them what we want or ask them to change. (laughs) And we have to really do the hard work of assessing whether or not the person we're talking to or that we're relating with has the capacity to give us what it is that we're looking for. And then if we really truly in our heart of hearts know that that's not possible, perhaps this person is toxic for us, that rather than trying to negotiate this relationship, which just continues in a downward spiral, it gives us the ability to free someone and free ourselves by just saying, you know what, this is a mismatch. I don't, you can't give me what it is that I'm looking for. And there may still be some retaliation or some backlash I think it's really important what you said earlier, as far as if you are dealing with a toxic relationship, you do need to have people who are involved in this type of confrontation. Yes. You do need to have a safety plan in place. You do need to contact some domestic violence resources before you go down this road, just in case. But that ultimately, by looking at it this way, the emotions are going to want to suck us back in. But by looking very black and white at it and saying, this is what I want. This is my situation. This is what the next step is. Then you're able to create an action plan that helps engage your logic when your heart is going to want to do everything to pull you back in. You've got that in black and white on your piece of paper and you remind yourself there's your accountability. You bring a friend in. And I love what you said. And I talk about this in the course. Um, We set boundaries with words, but we often set boundaries with actions. Actions often speak louder. Often it's not a conversation. Often it's a, oh, I'm just going to go do this. And you know, you're like, oh, this person isn't going to like it, but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because you know what you want. So mm-hmm. it's not always a conversation as the mm-hmm. next step. Oh, I love that you said that too, because that can be something that if you are dealing with a very unhealthy or unsafe relationship, alerting yeah. the person specifically to what you're doing can be a big, big problem, create big problem for you. So that's exactly right. Just moving forward with the plan can be the safest bet. Absolutely. Having some type of face-to-face confrontation. Depending on the level of toxicity, I I talk about this sort of spectrum. When you're on the toxic side, actually, words, you can't communicate. Mm -hmm. I mean, what makes a a relationship healthy to some degree is the ability to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so if you're dealing with somebody really toxic, that's out. You can't do it. You have to figure out your actions. Mm -hmm. Such a great distinction. I appreciate that you said that. Yeah. Allison, you've given us <laughs> so many fantastic tips and ways that we can just look at our relationships, look at boundaries, and I think start afresh. I, I feel like yeah. there are things that I could just take away yeah. from this conversation right now yeah. to make some really wonderful changes. If there was just one more thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? You are precious and you are worth this work. You are worth this. I'm asking you each morning, you know, we talk so much about making time each day to talk to God. It's as important to God that you make time each day to get to know you, (laughs) get to know what you want, get to know what you need, get to know what God wants for you. (laughs) Um, That would be because that's where those boundaries flow from. That's where those boundaries will start to flow from. 
I appreciate that permission. <laughs> so many of us do have that place where we just need someone to tell us it's okay. And I just appreciate that so much. Tell listeners about your resources and how it is that they can follow along with you. Yeah, I have. So a, a bunch of resources that I think will, if you've enjoyed this conversation, that'll really help. Um, my website is allisoncookphd.com, just my name. Um, and I have a, a free download. If you jo- I, I send out a weekly email and to join it, you get a Boundaries for Women Kickstart Guide for free. It's just a little ebook with some principles. There's a, an audio a guided reflection to start getting to know yourself because that's such a key part of boundaries. And then you get on my email list. And then I do have that Boundaries for Women video course. I think it's about 90 minutes. Um, and I'll send you a link for that. I'm on Instagram, Allison Cook PhD, Facebook. So those are all the things. <laughs> Great. Yes. And I will have links to all of those in the show notes to make it easy for listeners to find you. And by the way, if you're listening to this, you've got to check out this woman's blog. There is so much fantastic <laughs> information in there. But Allison, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Allison has a special offer for listeners of the Christian Single Moms podcast. She's offering 50% off of her Boundaries for Women video course. So if you'll just enter Boundaries Half Off at checkout, you'll be eligible for that discount. I'll also put that in the show notes to make it easier for you to access that. Developing a new understanding of personal boundaries can be somewhat unfamiliar and uncomfortable. But when we go through that process, we're freed up to become more of our God-given selves and walk in the things that He's created inside of us. But we allow other people the same space to do that as well. After listening today, I hope you'll take a moment to just celebrate those things that God has put inside of you and consider what it is to both protect those, but then also to walk freely in them. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.